Today is the nail in the coffin of the idea that Jonah is awesome. If you were on the fence the last three weeks, frankly, you're not allowed to be on the fence anymore because there's no arguing this. It is very clear Jonah is not good. In addition to what's on the screen and in your folder, I'm going to read the last verse of Jonah chapter 3 just to reacquaint us with where we're coming from. So last verse of Jonah 3 is this. When God saw what the city of Nineveh did, namely that they repented, how they turned from their evil ways, God relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And now chapter 4, the nail in Jonah's coffin. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plants. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, It would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said, and I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, You have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? That's God's word. So there's your happy ever after ending ruined. Personally, I would love it, I dare say we would all love it if Jonah, the story, ended after chapter 3. It ended perfectly. Jonah actually did what he was supposed to. He went and proclaimed God's message to evil people. And guess what? They listened. And 120,000 people, now some, say, some people say that's referring to children, like those who don't know their right hand from the left, which would put you know, maybe the inhabitants of Nineveh at half a million or so. Or some people say, well, that's just a way of saying spiritually they're blind. They couldn't even tell their right hand from their left. But regardless, those people, they listened. They trusted in God. They turned from their sin. What a great ending. But no. Because then chapter 4 happens. And personally, I can't even get past the very first verse. Listen, to Jonah, this all seemed very wrong and he became angry. That is mind-boggling. Imagine this. Take me, 
the pastor. Okay, say that in the next month. Oh, like 50 people start believing in Jesus right here as part of this ministry. And not just that they're Christians, but they don't have a church, but that they don't believe Jesus is their Savior. And then in the next month, through this ministry, they do. That would be amazing. Imagine that happened. And then imagine that I, as the pastor, imagine I were bummed out. And I said things like, I, I wish they weren't. I wish they weren't part of my church. But even more than that, imagine I said, you know, I wish they did not trust Jesus for their eternal life. I wish they didn't believe that Jesus came and released them from all their guilt and took it on himself and sacrificed himself to save them just because he's so loving. I wish they didn't believe that. And imagine I weren't just bummed out, but I were angry at God. And I said, God, how could you love those people? Why would you do that? And this was after I had preached to them from God's word. That would be ridiculous. But that is what, that is exactly what Jonah was doing. He was so angry. And there's a lot of things wrapped up in Jonah's anger. He thought he, thought he knew better than God. He thought he knew what should happen to the Ninevites, what they deserved. And the answer was destruction. Nothing better than total destruction. He thought God was unjust. This goes right along with thinking he knew better than God. He really made himself the measure of what true justice is. And he knew that the Ninevites weren't getting justice, and that angered him. He was full of resentment towards God and the Ninevites. And resentment is this feeling that you've been wronged. Now, I heard a psychologist this week say, feeling guilty is better than being full of resentment. Now, we could probably debate the finer points of, of what the psychologist said, but his point in saying it was to drive home how destructive resentment can be. And here's the example he used. He said, it's better to feel guilty for saying no to your kids when they say, can we go get ice cream? Better to feel guilty for saying no than to feel resentment after having said yes. So you say yes to them, but then as you drive to the ice cream place, you're full of resentment towards them. And then when you're paying for the ice cream, you're resenting your kids. And then on the way home, you're still resentful. Better to say no and feel guilty like you should have said yes than to say yes and be resentful about it. Resentment is incredibly destructive. But at the root of Jonah's anger and all anger, is this fact. It comes, it stems from selfishness and pride. It comes from thinking, I deserve something. And not just something, but I deserve better. It's what all sinful anger comes from. I deserve better than this. And let me tell you, if you go through life, if you go through life with the general attitude, I deserve better, you are never going to be happy. And you are always going to be angry. But that's exactly what, what Jonah did. He thought he was better than the Ninevites, and so he deserved better. He deserved what he thought was right. He deserved that to be done. And so he went outside and hoped the city would be destroyed. 
He thought he deserved God's love. He knew the Ninevites did not. Anger causes thoughts like, how could my husband treat me this way? Doesn't he know how good I am? Doesn't he know all the things that I do? Or how could my boss, how could she think this way about me? Doesn't she know how much I do for her and for this company? How could this be? And when we go through life thinking that I deserve, it doesn't cause any charitable or nice thoughts about anyone. It only stokes anger and resentment. In Jonah's anger, it spiraled him all the way down to this. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. When we think we deserve better and think angry thoughts about others, number one, it's just selfish and wrong. Number two, it also, it doesn't help anything. It's no solution. It just spirals us down like Jonah. And God's answer was this, wait a minute, Jonah, do you have a right to be angry? And Jonah's answer? Silence. Nothing. He, he just walked away. He went outside the city and he sat down and he hoped that something would change, that the city would be destroyed. He thought, hmm, maybe Nineveh will mess up and God will change his mind. Or maybe God will just, you know, come around to my side, do what is right and destroy all of these people. He was... Like a kid who goes to a birthday party and gets angry at the kid whose birthday it is because they're getting presents. Incredibly immature from Jonah. And how does God answer? He answers with grace. God overcomes the fact that Jonah stinks as a carpenter. Because Jonah built himself some sort, of, some sort of shade thing, but it obviously wasn't working. Because Jonah wasn't happy until God provided a plant, a big leafy plant that grew up and actually gave him shade. And Jonah was actually happy. I think for the first time in the entire story, Jonah was happy because of this plant. And then God took it away. And Jonah is angry again. But did you catch why Jonah was angry in the first place? He said, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. He is quoting the Bible there. He knows exactly who God is. And who God is upset Jonah. This is not someone who was confused or who had a misunderstanding about who God is. It's not someone who goes around and says, God, I I dislike the fact that you're just an unrelenting eye in the sky, always watching. I, I dislike the fact that you're just full of judgment and you're harsh and you're, you know, you're, you're unloving. It wasn't someone like that. It was someone who knew exactly who God is. At his core, Jonah was reacting to the true God and saying, God, I don't like you. And I don't think you need me to tell you how stubbornly rebellious, how dangerous that anger was. This isn't Jonah saying, God, I'm over here trying to hide from you and pull a fast one on you. No, it's him saying, God, I don't like you. And God responds, as I said, with grace, providing the plant, making Jonah happy, and then taking it away and Jonah getting angry again. But in real life, no one gets angry 
like that at God, right? Like No one gets angry at God for who he really is, and especially the fact that he's full of grace. Like No one, no one actually gets angry, right? One commentator, he said this. He said, if the gospel doesn't make you mad sometimes, you probably don't yet understand just how radical it is. Here's three stories from the news this week that I came upon. One, there's a shooting in a Kroger in Tennessee. I think two people were killed. Number two, a 22-year-old woman named Gabby was found dead in the Grand Teton Mountains in Wyoming. And number three, the Taliban, I guess they're making it part of their normal proceedings to punish people by cutting off their arms. Now, imagine that in that first case, the shooter in Tennessee, and I don't know a lot of details, but imagine the judge, the jury finds the person guilty, but the judge says, you know what? People haven't been very nice to you. you I, I love you. You, you want to come over for dinner next Tuesday? We can enjoy each other's company. And, you know, I'm, I know what they said, but I'm, I'm not going to send you to prison. Or say that uh, Gabby Petito's fiance, who's, I think, still in hiding, running away, say that, you know, he looks very suspicious, but say that he turns out to be guilty and say that he, say that he killed her. And his judge, you know, does a, does a similar thing. Um, she says, you know, what you did was wrong, but, you know, you've had a, you've had a tough life. You've been in hiding for a while. I, like, let's, let's get away. You know, you want, you want to go on a hike? You want to, like, go out and hike in the mountains of western Wyoming, maybe? You know, just, just get out and, and enjoy creation. Let's, let's do that. You know, no, no prison time for you either. Or say the, the world says to the Taliban, you know what, you guys just do you, whatever, we don't care. If you're not upset at those situations, I, I don't say this often, but there's something wrong with you. Like, you would be upset. If that actually happened, you would be upset, and being upset would be an understatement. That's the grace of God. An action like that. Except in the cases I laid out, it was the victim or the victim's family and friends who took the brunt of the evil. With God's grace, it was he who took the brunt of the evil. It was the judge. It was Jesus, the one who pronounced no punishment. It was that judge who took the brunt of the evil. It wasn't the victim or the victim's family. But the result for the perpetrator is the exact same. If you don't get mad at grace sometimes, you probably don't yet understand just how radical it is. And all, all God's grace, all his questioning, all his providing the leaf, taking it away, it's all leading to the end when God says this. Jonah you have been concerned about this plant. Though you did not tend it or make it grow, it sprang up overnight and it died overnight. And God is saying, that's a picture of me and Nineveh. He says, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? 
and the book ends. We don't know what happens. Just like, just like in the story of the two sons and the father, we don't know what happens at the end. God leaves us hanging. That, that question at the end, it's almost like God is challenging the entire world to shake our finger at him and say, God, you shouldn't have been so loving. And another thing, it's like God challenging you and me to write the ending to that story in our own lives. It's like God saying, hey, you all, do what you wish Jonah did. Be full of grace. Choose grace instead of anger. And I'm not just talking about that group of people out there who does things you don't like or the people out there who do evil things or the people you see on TV. No, no, no. In your day-to-day interactions, choose grace over anger. Even in your thoughts, in the tiniest ways, every minute of every day, when you feel anger coming on you, choose not to be angry. Choose grace. Write the ending to the story yourself. It's like God is challenging you to do that, but, but I don't think that's the main reason he just left us with a spiritual cliffhanger here. I think he left us hanging, not so that you could answer the question and finish the story, but so that he could. That he asked the question, should I not have concern for that great city? Should I not have concern for this Nineveh, this world today in 2021? Should I not have concern for the worst of sinners, for you and for me? God lets it hanging so that he can answer. Those questions, they all hung outside the city for centuries, unanswered. Until God answered them. Until they hung, literally, outside of another city, Jerusalem. On a cross, Jesus' crucifixion is God's answer to the eternal question, should I not have concern for that city, for those people? God answered it when his own son, his own son hung outside the city of Jerusalem? The answer? Yeah. God would be concerned. God would let a worm eat himself. He would die himself before he ever let a worm eat any one of you. He would die himself before he ever let his anger and his just wrath go blasting on anyone. Throughout the story, Jonah says, I want to die. Kill me, God. And I want those people to die even more. And every time, God answers with grace on grace on grace. So let me ask you, should you not be concerned about that great apartment building that you live in? Should you not be concerned about that great street on which you reside? Should you not be concerned about the people at your school, the ones you're friends with, and the ones who are bullies? Should you not be concerned about the people that you work with, whether they treat you wonderfully or they're horrible to you? Should you not be concerned about your neighborhood, your city, your extended family? Should you not be concerned even about the acquaintances 
and the people that you pass by day in and day out? Pick up your pen, not your literal one, and pen the ending to the story. Pen the ending every single day using God's eternal answer, which is his undeserved love for all people that he has given to us and to everybody through his son, Jesus Christ. Get started writing. Amen.